This is a Dharma talk on Zen master Moshan. Please sit comfortably. Zen master Moshan Leo Ran of Retsau was a student of Gua An Dayu. Once the monk Guan Xi Xian arrived at Mount Mo, her monastery, and said, If there's someone here who's worthy, I'll stay here. If not, I'll overturn the meditation platform. He then entered the hall. Moshan sent her attendant to query the visitor, saying, Your reverence, are you here sightseeing, or have you come seeking the Buddha Dharma? Guan Chi Xian said, I seek the Dharma. So Moshan sat upon the Dharma seat in the audience room, and Xian entered for an interview. Moshan asked, Your reverence, where have you departed from today? Guan Chi said, from the road's mouth, an undefiled place. The master said, Moshan said, um, why not put a lid on it? Uh, Guan Chi was unable to reply. Moshan replied on his behalf, if so, how would I get here? Guan Chi didn't answer for some time. Finally, he bowed saying, what about Mount Mo? Moshan said, the peak isn't revealed. Guan Chi said, who is the master at Mount Mo? Moshan said, without the form of man or woman. Guan Chi shouted, then said, why can't it transform itself and become a man? Moshan said, it's not a god or a demon, so how could it become something else? Guan Chi then submitted to become Moshan's student. He worked as head gardener at a monastery for three years. Later, Guan Chi equated Moshan with Lin Chi, his teacher, saying, I received half a ladle at Father Lin Chi's place and half a ladle at Mother Moshan's. Since I took that drink, I've never been thirsty. Um, please sit comfortably <laughs> if you're not already sitting comfortably. Yeah, this, I, back on Mother's Day, uh, I did a little, I opened a little bit on this and included some of it in a talk on that day, but um, I wanted to look at the whole story, which is really uh, fascinating, interesting, compelling uh, Dharma exchange. Uh, yeah, coming and going, you know, we have all come here today by various means, maybe by car, maybe by train, maybe even on foot if we are lucky enough. Um, and we will go home and uh, likewise. And uh, so there is always coming and going in perfectly ordinary uh, ways. Uh, at the same time, uh, there is the vastness. There is the Dharmakaya, uh, uh, there is the is Buddha mind, many, many words for it. None of the words cut it. Uh, 
with the world, that of no coming and no going. They go along together, coming and going, no coming and going, you know? It's all there. Completely are intimate with each other. Does all this come and go? So Moshan uh, lived around 800 AD during the Golden Age of Zen in China. She was a contemporary of another famous woman teacher of those times, Iron Grindstone Liu, a successor of Master Kui Shan. Other significant Zen figures of that era were Linji, uh, Dongshan, Daishan, and Chao Chou. Uh, it's a worthy uh, company of sages. Uh, great flowering uh, of Zen in Tang Dynasty, China. Regarding Mo Shan's name, uh, Mo means summit and Shan means mountain. So Mo Shan's uh, name translates into English as summit mountain. She was a successor of Gua An Da Yu and was the first woman Dharma heir to be noted in the official Zen transmission records. Miriam Levering, who has translated Moshan's record and teachings, writes that Moshan was the first nun to be portrayed in Zen texts as taking up formal training activities traditionally reserved for male teachers. She was an abbess of a monastery and had a group of loyal students. She was a challenging and demanding teacher. What follows is the Dharma exchange between Moshan and a student of Lin Chi's called Guanxi Xian. So he comes to her monastery. This is um, uh, just to be names to be clear. Um, Let's call him Sian here. Comes to her monastery and says, if there's someone here who's worthy, I'll stay here. If not, I'll overturn the meditation platform. Um, this is very typical Linchy uh, style. Um, a lot of stories about overturning tables at feasts, uh, shouts and blows. Um, I suppose it had the advantage of, of being um, very non-discursive um, as a way of communicating uh, the Dharma. Uh, uh, yeah. So, and there is a great purity here. You know, if the Dharma is not worthwhile here, I'll overturn the meditation platform. Arrogance, if you will. Uh, and also a sense of purity. Uh, yeah, he's been exposed to a great teacher uh, it's probably, for the time he was with Lin Chi, um, a fairly advanced student there. He then entered the hall. Uh, Moshan sent her attendant to query the visitor, saying, Your reverence, are you here sightseeing, or have you come seeking the Buddha Dharma? <laughs> it's a great question, really. Are you for real? Asian said, I seek the Dharma. <laughs> yes, 
So Moshan sat upon the Dharma seat in the audience room, in the Doksan room, and Sian entered for an interview. At the outset, uh, Sian's sense of assumed superiority is overwhelming. Yeah, he's prepared to stamp out bad teaching wherever he finds it. Uh, Moshan asks him, Your Reverence, uh, where have you departed from today? Yeah, where have you departed from? Uh, how, how do you stand with respect to coming and going? Is there still coming and going? Guanxi replies um, concerning where he departed from that day. He said, I come from the road's mouth, an undefiled place. The road's mouth carries great richness of sense here, but it would seem to be concerned with the junction of two roads, uh, an intersection. Um, in a way, an intersection is neither one road nor the other. Um, it's a kind of no place. Um, Norman Fisher has this a great line, he says, we live at the intersection of form and emptiness of particularity and vastness. Um, yeah. We not only live at that intersection, we are that intersection, if you will. Yeah, so when Xi'an says he comes from the road's mouth, an undefiled place, a pure place. He's indicating that he's travelling out of vastness, uh, indeed, as that uh, vastness. So he has a sense of that no coming and no going. Moshan is quite undeterred by this presentation. She says, why don't you cover it up? Uh, or why don't you put a lid on it? <laughs> or more fundamentally, why don't you shut up? <laughs> yeah, after an experience of empty oneness, uh, don't speak of it. Um, it is what it is. Uh, let it go, plough it under. The next moment is already uh, on you. As you. <laughs> so it's a sin to cling uh, to realisation. It's a sin to cling to emptiness. So, yeah. And uh, Sian was unable to reply. Uh, run out of steam already. But Moshan does the job for him. She says, if so, how would I get here? Uh, she speaks for him as him. Yeah. I guess he's talking about this pure, undefiled place, uh, 
you know, this, I come from there, I come from there. And she's saying, well, if you come from there, how in the hell did you get here? And she speaks for him. This is very characteristic. This huge intimacy. Um, she does it, if you will, on his behalf. Um, and it's telling in both its intimacy and its sheer effrontery. Yes, she is saying, you may have emerged from the place of no coming and going. Uh, yeah, but how did you get here? She's already penetrated any defences he thinks he might have had. And there'll be no overturning of any meditation platforms uh, here. Yes, she speaks for the other as the other. And uh, this is, seems to be characteristic, based on the limited record we have, um, of her style. Um, this is the story of a poor and thin monk who came to study with Moshan. Moshan said, how thin you are. The monk said, even so, I'm still a lion cub. Moshan said, since you are a lion cub, why do you let Manjushri ride upon you? The monk didn't answer. Then he asked, what is the mind of the ancient Buddhas? Moshan said, the world is collapsing. The monk said, why is the world collapsing? Moshan said, it's not my body. Yeah, so why do you let Manjushri ride upon you? You know, Manjushri characteristically, the Bodhisattva the, uh, of emptiness um, rides on the lion. Um, here she's saying, you know, why are you caught up in, in emptiness, if you will? The monk didn't answer. Then he, he asked the question, what is the mind of the ancient Buddhas? Okay, coming from exactly that, that place. And Moshan said, the world is collapsing. <laughs> um, and the monk naively says, why is the world collapsing? She said, it's not my body. Uh, and she's speaking for him. This is not, not his body. It's, it's, it has to be embodied. You know, this mind of the ancient Buddha's business uh, has to be an embodied matter. And she's saying, you're not engaged. The whole world is falling apart. She uses a wonderful metaphor, you know. Everything is falling to bits. Uh, yeah, this is not embodied. It's not my body, she says. I want to stay at the intersection of the road's mouth just a little bit longer. Um, there's a marvellous account um, of the road's mouth in the record of... Um, Zen Master Wan Wu. And this is a sense translated by Peter Wong. Um, I just want to say that I have been in collaboration with Peter for 16 years uh, uh, doing translations um, together, and of which Peter does the, the lion's work, really, uh, bringing it into English out of Chinese. And he sent through these beautiful translations, but just on the on the road's mouth itself, just on the expression "the road's mouth," and uh, which he I have no credit to any translation here. It's all Peter, and I want to honour him for the work that he he does, which is fantastic. And um, 
yeah, I'm moved by, uh, yeah. And it's wonderful, this is the first time anyone has heard this out of the Chinese, so this is due to Peter Wong. At a Dharma assembly to which he received an invitation, the monk Min from Baoning Temple said, for one who dwells on a lone peak with their eyes fixed on the clouds, although that person does justice to our set's teaching, it's simply too high-born or too exalted. Yet for another who remains at the intersection, at the mouth of the crossroads, dusty face and head, seeking to profit all things and responding to opportunities, although this person effaces the self, it's too humble. The enlightened person, this is one word, the enlightened person has eyes on the crown of their head and a talisman, that is the seal of Buddha nature, under their elbow. They are completely at ease either in appearing, retiring, or when focused or relaxed. In moving, they are like roiling clouds. When resting, they are like the spirit of the valley. And that this is the spirit of the valley is a reference to the Tao Te Ching, uh, chapter 6, which is a very brief little chapter. The valley spirit is undying. It is called the dark and mysterious female. The portal of the dark and mysterious female is spoken of as the root of heaven and earth. It is a wispy something that only seems to exist, yet is effortless in its action. The enlightened ones can dwell by themselves on the lonely peak, yet it does not impede the dusty face and head. Or, when having a dusty face and head, it doesn't impede their dwelling on the lone peak. Uh, this is the integration of lone peak and um, grabbing in the dust doing business, uh, uh, marketplace and... Um, What's it's the marketplace and the um, can't remember what the what's the opposite pole in Buddhism? Mar marketplace and the mountain, if you will. This is integration of the marketplace and the mountain. In the midst of being thus, there is not thus. In the midst of not being thus, there is thus. What would be a phrase that is appropriate to this time and this season? After a long pause, one word said, the auspicious chi meets good fortune. Where the subtle sprout makes contact, spring happens. When the subtle sprout makes contact, spring opens the flowers with a single puff. In this one moment is enough for all time, and this moment right now is more than enough. So to revert to our story, which feels like a long way away now, um, Xian asks, uh, what about Mount Mo? He's saying, what about you? You've been pushing on me, what about you? Moshan said, the peak isn't revealed. Really? <laughs> what is the peak? 
this is most intimate. He says, what about Mount Mo? Moshan said, the peak isn't revealed. Sian said, uh, who is the master? Who's in charge? Who is the master of Mount Mo? If the peak isn't revealed, then who's in charge? Moshan said, without the form of man or woman. This matter goes beyond gender and authority. Yeah. Without the form of man and woman. Sian shouted. Okay. I get that. Without the form, formless. You know the formless? Yeah, cards! Uh, Lin Chi style. Then he said, why can't it transform itself and become a man? Uh, <laughs> it's like, this is terrible, you know. Uh, she keeps presenting the Dharma uh, to him and then finally comes the grubby question, why can't it transform? If you don't become a man, you can't get enlightened, um, you know, on being reborn. Uh, in, and all of that comes sailing in with this... So it's a reference to the common belief that a woman must transform to become a man before she can enter nirvana. If Guan Chi is implying this, he's missed the boat entirely. This is male defensiveness writ large, and it's profoundly out of place here. In fact, he's entirely at Moshan's mercy here. And this echoes the exchange between the Buddhist beloved disciple Shariputra and the goddess, uh, and this is in the Vimalakirti Sutra, and the goddess, where the goddess runs rings around Shariputra. So it's a wonderful parallel story to the Mojan uh, story. Uh, in the sutra, uh, the goddess appears in the layman Vimalakirti's house, joining all the bodhisattvas who gather there, recovering from being defeated in Dharma combat by the brilliant layman Vimalakirti. There's a bruising time for, for the great bodhisattvas that day. Um, so the goddess uh, performs all kinds of fantastic magical feats. <laughs> uh, witnessing her powers, uh, Shariputra, who was very, very close disciple, senior disciple of the Buddha, said to her, what prevents you from transforming yourself out of your female state? The goddess replied that the female state has no inherent existence. In a way, in terms of traditional Buddhist philosophy, uh, nothing has inherent uh, state uh, in dependence origination each thing anything depends on something else um, so I am because you are you are because this is we are because this is this is because 
Um, it's a fascinating matter is that uh, this is traditional definition of emptiness, middle way. Uh, over that fundamental notion uh, is the immense edifice of Cohen study and um, the most elaborate, subtle, um, multifaceted uh, approach to the matter of, if you will, shunyata, emptiness. Um, but in the earliest, it's dependent origination. So nothing in that sense in traditionally has inherent nature uh, of itself. It's not autonomous. There is, it depends, it depends, it depends, which depends. And the whole net of Indra is an exemplification of this matter. Each unique jewel perfectly reflects all the other unique jewels. So the goddess, he, he, uh, Shariputra, asked, what prevents you from transforming yourself out of your female state? The goddess responded that the female state has no inherent existence. I love this bit. Then she magically causes Shariputra to assume her body while she assumes his. <laughs> this goes far beyond any tricky Khan responses, doesn't it? <laughs> This is for real. Um, the goddess challenges Shariputra then to transform from his female body. And Shariputra answers that there is nothing to transform. The goddess responds, with this in mind, the Buddha said, in all things there is neither male nor female. And this, even as we are male or female, as our lives dictate. So we're back to Siam. Uh, why can't it transform itself and become a man? Moshan said, it's not a god or a demon. So how could it become something else? Yes, she's saying, just this woman, uh, right here and now. How could she transform into anything or anyone else? Why would she? So after all these evocations of the vastness, it comes down to the particularity uh, here. And she commands this peak completely. Guan Xi then, sorry, Xi'an then submitted to become Moshan's student. He worked it as his head gardener, as her head gardener uh, for three years. Yeah, this is, in a way, it's, it's wonderful because from all we can gather from this brief dialogue, this is exactly what he needs to do. Um, it has to be real in the world. It's a kind of, it's a fancy, a fancy notion, it's an idea. Maybe there is some experiential base. But gardening um, feels so perfect here. <coughs> 
also being in charge, being in charge of other people uh, in Samu, doing gardening. Organisational particularity, getting things right, organising for seedlings to be brought in, uh, working out who does best at what, and giving them menial tasks while people who are totally unqualified are given charge of that patch. All very good. <laughs> yeah. A Song Dynasty writer penned a verse in praise of Moshan that is recorded in a text called the Gusansu Yulu, and it goes like this. Mount Mo does not reveal its pure summit. Oh yes, she does. But through all time, the pinnacle is before the eyes. It's said that it has no male or female form, but do distinguish the lotus amidst the flames. Without form, without mind, without intention, becoming female or male just accords with conditions. These times are replete with monks and lay practitioners. Each one shines with flawless incandescence. Each one of you here uh, perfectly reflecting uh, the whole. Candlelight, clouding sky, light breeze, breath rising and falling, nothing missing. Thank you for your attention. <laughs>